what it do, what it do. I am the homie Diesel Greasel, and you are now tuned in to Real Niggas, a Know What I'm Saying podcast. Now, before we go any further, let me clarify. The name of the show is Real Niggas. N-E-G-U-S. Not the N-word with the hard R. Not the term so affectionately used by black males in America. I am referring to the true term, niggas, N-E-G-U-S, which is an Ethiopian word that roughly translates into royalty or king. However you want to interpret it, as long as you're not interpreting it as a racial slur. That's all right with me. That is all right with me. This is the first edition, so I guess that would make this the inaugural edition of the podcast that I would like to bring to you on a weekly basis. You know how life can throw you curveballs at times, so you know I am hesitant to commit to anything. But sometimes you got to get out of the boat and walk on water. And I recognize that if I want to do this, I have to do it well. And I have an obligation to my fans to be consistent. So Lord willing, I am going to make every single effort I can to be as consistent as I possibly can. You have my word on that. That you do. You have my word. Now, without further ado, let's get the show started. Real niggas. Hosted by Diesel Greasel. There'll be some co-hosting with the homie Rob. He's not here right now. This is something me and him have talked about. He got some things going on, so he couldn't be here right now. But rest assured, when he does have an opportunity, we will make it happen. But until then, the show must go on. And hey, I am here. Have no fear. Now, the first thing I want to talk about is Lebanon James. LeBron James, that's my dude. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm not even going to pretend I'm not biased when it comes to LeBron. I'm a huge LeBron fan. Huge LeBron fan. Partly because of what he does on a basketball court. More importantly, because of the human being that he is and the way that he carries himself and represents black men. I think it's awesome. I think it's awesome, you know? Congratulations to the Cleveland Cavaliers for winning the 2016 NBA championship. You know, everyone in the Ohio area is thrilled. You know, I'm pretty sure there's a couple people still mad that LeBron left in the first place. But, hey, man, get over it. The man has came back and fulfilled his destiny, his dream, that which you felt that uh, he owed you. That debt has been paid in full. You know what I'm saying? It has been paid in full. And, uh, of course, I know some people ain't going to be happy. There's no way around that. But I like to believe that the, that the majority people, that the majority of the people in that region, uh, they have a lot to be happy about. You know, they hadn't won a championship in, what, is it 54 years? That's a long time. A long time. I, uh, I, I almost want to say the last time they won a championship, Martin Luther King might have been alive. Imagine that, you know. Last time they won a championship, some of you were still colored, you know. Imagine that. The last time they won a championship, there were separate restrooms, and I'm not talking about transgender. So, you know, it's been a long, long time. 
So congrats to those people that got that proverbial monkey off their back. And hey, hopefully they repeat, unless my Pistons do. Got to add a caveat. Got to, you know. But with that being said, you know, um, I made a claim that a lot of people would consider bold. Others would consider it forward thinking. Some would consider it archaic thinking. You know, some just think I'm just pretty much nuts, you know, for the statement that I made. And all of those people may be right. But if you know anything about Diesel, you know, I could care less, you know. Pretty strong-headed person. I do what I want, when I want, how I want, say what I want. Not really worried about how people interpret things. But the statement that I made that caused such an uproar was I said that LeBron James is the Muhammad Ali of our generation. I know, I know, you know, I know. You know what I'm saying? And that's a bold claim. Definitely, I agree. It's a very bold claim. However, I think it's very valid. And so, to those of you who disagree with the claim, speak on it. You know what I'm saying? Because from my experience with the feedback that I received, and and this is a very limited sample pool, just the people that I have on my Facebook page and a couple of coworkers that I ran this by, the majority of the people who took offense to the statement are basically saying, no, he's not Ali. He's not the Ali of this generation. So to those people, I say, hey, okay, if he isn't, then who is? Now, before you get to name the people, some of the qualifications are really simple. You got to be black. You got to be a male. You have to be an athlete. I would say, at a minimum, to be the Ali of this generation, you have to at least at least have those characteristics working in your favor to even start the initial comparison. Now, when I say he's the Ali of, of this generation, I'm not saying that to displace Ali in any shape, form, or fashion. I'm not saying that to replace Ali. I'm not even saying that to say that Muhammad Ali and LeBron James are equal in the terms of whatever measurement system that you want to use. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that in this particular generation, meaning my generation, 80s babies and on, he is the Muhammad Ali of our generation. And so, um, without further ado, I'm going to play this clip. I want you guys to check it out. This is LeBron James uh, giving an interview shortly after winning the championship. A little soundbite. And after we play the soundbite, I come back and I will address this. So I'm watching you lift up that trophy, and all I can think about is meeting you for the first time as a high school senior at St. Vincent St. Mary, just this kid who had so many ideas about what he wanted to do. And here you are, 15 years later, a three-time NBA champion. You have won one for Northeast Ohio. How do you explain that? I, I, I can't, Rachel. I just I, I knew once um, you know the Cavs got the number one pick. I, I was going to dedicate myself to the franchise and just try to do whatever I could to help that franchise win. Um, I even said it. I said I'm trying to light the city up like Las Vegas. And um, and obviously you know a few things happened along the path. Um, you know, but my heart was always there. My heart was always back home. And when I decided to come back, you know, last year, um, 
You know, I said my, my, my main objective is to bring a championship to the city. They deserved it. Um, they wanted it. They needed it. And uh, I just felt like I had the right blueprint um, to help the city, um, you know, accomplish something they'd never seen before. And uh, you know, to be able to, to have a dream, to be able to have a vision and to make it come into fruition, uh, it's, it's a beautiful thing. How much harder did it turn out to be than that kid back there thought it was? Oh, that kid had no idea how hard it was to just <laughs> just win a game, you know. Right. He, but but that kid did know his work ethic. He knew what he brought to the game. He knew his basketball IQ, and he knew that every single night he was going to give it his all. But he had no idea how hard the road would be. And uh, you know, tonight was definitely um, the end of that road. But it was it was it was very tough. And you think about everything the city has been through, and the fumble, and the yeah. shot, and the drive. I mean. How do you explain to people who aren't from there what you were fighting so badly for? Uh, they, they could never understand. Um, they could hear about it, like you said, the fumble, the Ernest Bonner fumble, Elway going 99 yards, the Jose Mason not being able to close out, uh, you know, the Jordan, you know, free throw line jumper over Craig Elo. They would never be able to understand what Northeast Ohio and Cleveland sports fans have been through for the last 50-plus years since Jim Brown was able to bring a championship to the city. And um, it's, it's a... I'm at a loss for words just to be in this position to uh, to seek out something and then to be able to deliver. Uh, it's, it's, it's unbelievable. I don't think people who haven't talked to you a lot really realize just how much Akron means to you. Yeah. That you've traveled all over the world. Yeah. I've heard people ask you, hey, LeBron, what's your favorite city? Is it yeah. Paris? Is it whatever? <laughs> and you look at them like they're crazy. Yeah, yeah. And you say, Akron, yeah. come on. It made me who I was. It made me who I am today. I'm sorry. And just walking the streets, um, being, a, being in a single-parent household with my mom. She was 16 when she had me. The city just molded me. When, they, when the city of Akron saw that I had a, a gift, they were like, uh, okay, let's leave him alone. Mm -hmm. Leave him alone because it might, might not have been that way. He, he may be able to do something special to make us feel feel great about ourselves and, and i thank the city every single day because i lived in poverty i i i've seen things that I, I i would never want my three kids to see you know but they also just they kept a shield around me you know throughout my young man uh you know days till i became a professional athlete and i said from that point on i will always represent akron i will always give back to akron because i know what they did for me and you didn't just do it for northeast ohio you didn't just win one for cleveland you did it against a team that had a historically good regular season record a two-time mvp and i know you wanted a couple of those mvp trophies for yourself what has it been like to listen to people say hey that steph curry guy he's passed you by uh, I, as much as I, I try to keep myself away from it, I don't watch sports talk radio, I don't listen to the TV, I don't be on social media, you know, a lot of you, it's still able to creep in a little bit. What does it say about you that you were able to be the one to win, that you hold up the trophy, that you held up the unanimous MVP of the NBA Finals? What does that say for you and your career and your style of basketball? I give, I give everything to the game. There was a few writers... Uh, last year when I had my back problems, there was a few writers this year um, that said I was, he's uh, lost a step. You know, the high flying LeBron James is gone, he's passed us by. Um, this isn't the guy that, that can bring a, a championship um, anymore. His title days are over. Um, you know, well, I guess uh, I used it as a, a little motivation and uh, I guess I proved a lot of people wrong. Nah, 
I would like to think that that little audio clip is self-explanatory, you know what I'm saying, um, to shed a little bit of insight as to why I feel LeBron James is the Muhammad Ali of our generation, you know? just It's just a very beautiful story to start with a 16-year-old impoverished kid whose mother gave birth to him when he was 16, who has overcome the odds. And to me, that's the ultimate understatement to say that LeBron James James has overcome the odds um, when he just signed a lifetime deal with Nike at the age of 31 that makes him a billionaire. You know, it's the ultimate feel-good story. It's the, it's, it's the American dream. You come from nothing. All the odds are against you. As a black man in America, I can attest to that the odds are against us. And any black man or woman or black person who's listening in, surely you can attest to the fact that the odds are against us in this country. Um, there's a lot of barriers that are preventing us from having the type of success that other demographics don't have to fight for. You know, that's not an excuse. It's a reason. You know, it's, I mean, it is what it is. And the fact that this young man overcame all of that to come to make it to the NBA and all that, that's, that's beautiful. But that's not what makes him the Muhammad Ali of our generation, in my opinion. And it's not about accolades on the basketball court because Muhammad Ali lost many fights, but that didn't take away from the fact that he was a great human being, a humanitarian and ambassador for the American people that represented black men very, very, very well. Now, with that being said, when you take a look at what LeBron does for the community, not just his hometown of Akron, but for the community as a whole, you know, he is a very charitable person. How charitable? We may never know. But just to put it in perspective, LeBron James is making sure that 1,100 kids from Akron do not have to pay for college. This breaks down to a sum of $41 million that this man is spending to ensure that these kids have free college tuition. That in itself is a noteworthy feat. 1,100 kids. You know how many families are going to be impacted by this? If you believe what they sell you is the American dream and they tell you that education is the key, to achieving a middle-class lifestyle. Do you see how many families that he's putting in, in position to break the odds, you know, to go from poor to middle-class, which is huge, which is huge. And this is just the footnote. This isn't the end-all, be-all culmination of charitable acts for LeBron James. This is just something that happened to leak out in the media last summer, you know, that's all this is. This is one of many things that he does. But take it a little further. You know, in the day and time that we live in, police brutality is a very, very hot topic, and rightfully so. And LeBron James, being one of the most high-profile athletes in the world, if not the most high-profile athlete in the world, I'm not going to say he went out of his way. I don't like the way that sounds. Um, what I will say is that he took advantage of his platform and acknowledged a lot of the, 
the things that are plaguing black America when Trayvon Martin was murdered by George Zimmerman, you know, LeBron James and the rest of the Miami Heat took a stance. And I'm not even going to say that that was led by LeBron James because I don't know. But I do know that he was in Florida, it was in his backyard, and he was the face of that. Probably because he was the face of the franchise. But but that's a, a, a burden he didn't have a problem taking on. When Eric Garner was killed by the police, you know, LeBron James did not hesitate to come out with the I Can't Breathe shirts, you know. It's a small gesture, but all eyes are on him, and millions of people are seeing this. And I'm sure somewhere, somewhere, somebody saw that and, and took the time to find out, what does this I can't breathe mean? What's going on? And that's a person that was made more aware about a situation that's plaguing us. You know, these acts in, in themselves are not even huge, in my opinion, but because of the platform and because of the... The backlash that could potentially come from it, the fact that he uses his platform to express his concern, our concern, I think that's huge. How many billionaires are doing that? Athletes, how many people on corporate America's payrolls are putting themselves out there? You know, small thing, you know. Um, I think every one of our goal growing up is to make it out of the hood, right? You know, we, we want to make it out of the hood. We want to buy, buy our mama's house, make our mama's proud. Uh, if you had a daddy, you, you want to make sure daddy don't got to work no more, you know, and you want to take care of your homies, you know. Well, LeBron James has done all the above. Mama taking care of. Friends that he grew up with taking care of and by taking care of, I mean, he's turned them into millionaires themselves by giving them careers which have created jobs for more people of color. You know, this is huge, man. This is huge. You know, married his high school sweetheart. This is an awesome role model, awesome example. You know, his, his kids' moms ain't no baby moms. You know, his, his wife is his mother's children. He's setting a standard that hopefully our youth can follow. He's giving them a Bill Cosby-like, Huxtable-like figure to admire, you know? And what you do, you complain about his lack of heart on the basketball court? Really? A basketball game, bro? Sports entertainment? I mean, come on, man. You know what I'm saying? I think sometimes we lose sight of what's important. You know, the fact that black men face so many negative stereotypes on a daily basis, the media is full of them. You know what I'm saying? You can't even turn on the TV and see that black people are being portrayed in a positive light. That's not what you're going to see. You're going to see a bunch of negativity. You're going to see empire. You know what I'm saying? You're not going to see any positive black male role models. That are being put on national TV, put in the spotlight. But LeBron James is. And this is real life. This isn't scripted. You know what I'm saying? So when he goes around the world and he represents black men around the world, he's representing us as a class act. You feel me? You know what I'm saying? He's a He is changing perceptions. You know, he may be the only American black male that some of these foreign people see in some of these countries that, that he goes to. And if that's the only one that they see and they think that all black men are like LeBron James, have his character, stand-up guys not associating him with any any sort of negative activity, then that's a win for us, man. That is a win. And none of this stuff displaces Ali. You know what I'm saying? It's immeasurable what it is. It's like when your grandfather following the shoes of your great-grandfather, do you get mad and say, oh, he he not the grand, he not the great-grandfather of our generation? He is, 
Because that other person is no longer here. His generation has passed. And now someone is filling that void. And it's not to say that LeBron can be the only one. We can have many Muhammad Ali's of this generation. I believe that was Muhammad Ali's goal. His goal wasn't for us to just have one Muhammad Ali. Then it's pointless. Then it dies with him. Muhammad Ali would want, you know what I'm saying, someone like LeBron to be compared to him to know that his torch is being passed. So get rid of that crab-in-the-bucket mindset, that whole Willie Lynch mindset that makes you want to say, no, he's not great, or makes you feel some kind of way, man. Embrace that, because he's ours, man. This is what our generation has. In a world full of Jay-Zs and Young Thugs and, and Lil Waynes and people just don't give a damn about the community, don't give a damn about how they portray themselves, don't give a damn about the message that they put out there, y'all got to learn to embrace a brother like LeBron James, man. For real, for real. You know, I ain't going to go on about that too much more. I'm saying I'm really not, you know, but it's all good. It's all good, bro. Still my dude. Still my dude. The next thing I want to talk about, man, is uh, just media perceptions, man. You know what I'm saying? Media perceptions. Last week, man, it was it was it was extremely unfortunate, man. We have a little white kid that gets eaten by alligator in the Disney World resorts. Eaten by a fucking alligator. Marinate on that, man. It's, it's, it's mind-boggling. Even as I've, I've known about the story for quite some time, I still can't believe it. I mean, that's just the, the just, I still can't believe it. And so, where I did a video just talking about how the media hasn't mentioned anything about the parents' backgrounds or hasn't put out anything that could make the parents look like they were negligent or try to discredit them in any way. But a couple weeks ago, when the black boy fell into the gorilla pit at the zoo, that's all the media wanted to talk about. All they wanted to talk about was the father's criminal past. All they wanted to talk about was the amount of kids that mom had and maybe she had too many kids and that she couldn't watch, watch her, her child. That's all they wanted to talk about. And not even try to, to compare these two events, but the white kid died. To me, that is the ultimate display of negligence. And I'm not even saying that the parents did anything wrong. I'm saying if you're going to say something negligent happened, when your child dies on your watch, that's negligence. Okay? Now, thankfully, the little black child was not harmed because the zoo officials took action and killed the gorilla, and people was upset about that. You know, because they saved the life. They felt the gorilla should have, they, they should have brought in a, some sort of gorilla hostage negotiator and trade them two bananas for the boy or some dumb shit. You know what I'm saying? So they wanted to label those parents as negligent. And maybe they were. I don't, you know what I'm saying? But you don't think that these white parents whose child was murdered by alligator, I'm going to call it what it is because I don't think these parents did anything wrong. Now, it, it's been reported that there were signs there that said no swimming. You know what I'm saying? And um, the masses have come out and say, well, the sign said no swimming. You shouldn't have been swimming. I know if I saw a sign that said no swimming, I wouldn't be swimming. Well, first off, it was reported that the kid was wading in the water, not swimming. It's a big, big, huge, tremendous difference between wading and swimming. Wading is when you're on the beach in very, very shallow water, just basically playing in water. Swimming is when you're actually out in the water where your body's submerged and you are actually in a position where you have to swim 
or float, things like that. You can't swim in one foot of water. It's not possible. You know, you can't. But an alligator snatches him. Now, the problem I have with this is while there are no swimming signs, there are no beware of alligator signs in the park, in, the, in this hotel resort area. And they put 12 alligators out. 12. But there's no signs. And you know why there are no signs? Because what parent in their right mind would take their child to a Walt Disney Resort where you're paying $2,000 a night and you step out on the patio and go out in the yard and you see a sign that says, beware of alligator. Who would do that? No one in their right mind. And see, Disney is smart. They know this. So they put no swimming. But the kid wasn't swimming. And the thing is, is if an alligator can snatch a child out of one foot of water, the alligator could easily come on land. What's preventing it? Nothing. This is a problem. Disney fucked up. Do you know what I'm saying? It's very, very tragic, bro. It's, it's very tragic. But at the end of the day, Disney did not do what Disney was supposed to do because it should have been posted everywhere. Beware alligators, man. It's footage of, of um, footage from 2009 at a Disney park in Florida where a worker is fighting the alligator literally two feet away from where there's a water ride that people are riding. And the worker is seen trying to push the alligator back into the water so it'll leave. This is in, in the park. This is a problem. Part of the problem is you have built the happiest place on earth in the gator's backyard. Other part of the problem is you're not letting people know it's motherfucking alligators there. Two problems. Either you destroy the park or you let people know it's alligators there so they can make their own decision. That's all I'm saying, man. That is all I'm freaking saying. Jeez Louise. You know? We're going to go ahead and get it wrapped up, man. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I got a lot I want to talk about. I want to talk about the Orlando shooting, man, but I just, I don't got the energy for it. You know, I think I've talked enough, you know, and uh, so I hope y'all enjoy it. Make sure you like, share, subscribe. Make sure you look for me on Google Play and on iTunes. And I really hope you guys enjoy the podcast. We'll try to bring it to you like this. You know, I have a lot to say. You know, I hope you throw it on while you're at work or while you're working out, you know. Share with a friend, you know, anything, man. Help me help you. At the end of the day, God is love. And I'm good. Time waits for no man. Sometimes. Things don't go as you anticipate. You feel me? It's only 86,400 seconds in a day, in a day, in a day, it's only 86,400 seconds in a day, I choose to spend mine this way, it's only 86,400 seconds in a day, in a day, in a day, 86,400 seconds in a day, yeah, uh, sometimes I feel
feel like I just can't deal. She says she love me, but all I ask is to keep it real. No need for over-the-top romantic gestures to let me know that you love me. Don't require a lecture. So save your text messages. I miss you, baby. Well, if you miss me so much, then stop trying to drive me crazy. Been there and done that. Lord knows I love rap. But it don't seem for a second that she could love me back. Cause I'm stuck in my desk at 8 to 5, that's my job. Cause I gotta be my family to avoid insanity setting in. Then I start letting thoughts of my failure creeping. Fuck that, cause I'm gonna run rap. Making my so-called competition just run laps. Cause it can't keep up. Have them resorting to threats, how I'm gonna get beat up. But I know goddamn well that they can't stop this come up. It's only 86,400 seconds in a day. Mind this way. 